Welcome everybody, I'm Jared, he's DJ, and this is Number One Bullshit. Dude, Isaac Dolgarian. Holy shit. Yeah, for a guy that I have never seen fight before, this is my first fight that I've seen. Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, yeah, he might be. He might be. What <laughs> he he certainly baptized Francis Fire Marshal because that was God, that was a just a beating, right? Like comes in, did what he did in his previous five fights, nine minutes of fighting, uh, just takes him down. The thing that I absolutely love about his game, he doesn't let you get comfortable. Nope. Right? Like the entire time, he's borderline putting the fingers in the eyes, you know, is what it is. Uh, but just forearm on the throat, like little tiny body punches just to try to be like, hey, this isn't going to be fun for you. And then the second Marshall tried to adjust to be like, hey, that's kind of annoying. Stop. Boom. Big elbow. Like it, it was just beautiful how he did that. And and you can tell he's strong and his wrestling base is out of control because that takedown was from Jupiter, right? Like he telegraphed yeah. it and it was it was like ran to him got him to, and it was like okay well he just has that that base right that that's a problem that's a problem if you're gonna fight him now you know that he can take you down especially if you don't have strong wrestling very impressed with with i i can't wait to see his next fight and he seems like he has oh, something yeah. about him that's like gonna be special yeah that dude that was awesome yeah and the like i obviously you saw like the cauliflower ear get busted up and all that and like you saw blood but when he was when Marshall was standing there after, like when they were announcing Dolgarian as the winner, he looked like he got into a fight with a fucking weed whacker. Yeah. Like he had a cut on his eye, cut on his forehead. Like he got absolutely busted up. Yeah. I like, I want to watch Dolgarian fight tomorrow. And, you and, know, like, and the ending God. sequence of ground and pound, it's like he was like to throw punches and just have your lower body controlling somebody. It was, I mean, sure, we see it, but it it just looked so impressive last night where you're like this guy's gonna be a fucking problem as long as he stays on this track of like you know working hard and all that stuff i can't wait for his next fight i hope he fights i mean it didn't seem like he took any damage yeah um get him on a card in a month you know i think was he the one that said i want to fight next week and he was like you know next or i want to fight on 292 oh uh, no that's terrence mckinney okay, yeah it's like all right, but, but <laughs> they're like hey man that's next week <laughs> yeah. he's like all right never mind give me a month but give this guy a month too. let him get another paycheck let him get another fight um bring him along slowly you know um yeah but oof oof yeah like what like you talk about a great looking prospect like that sign me up right yeah. like that it reminds me of like tatiana suarez early in her career where it's just like oh this or, or even like bo nickel now where it's like oh this person is just different than other people at this stage in their career yep um and you want to talk about a gym that has just come along factory x where dolgarian trains out of Right, they have a couple bigger fighters like Dustin Jacoby uh, and Anthony Smith. But when you look at their stable of smaller fighters, at bantamweight, you got Chris Gutierrez and Jonathan Martinez fighting out of there, who are just violent. Mm. And then, uh, possibly my favorite flyweight, Raw Dog Royval, fighting <laughs> out of there like that. And then now you have a featherweight and Dolgarian. Like they're they're breeding tiny killers out there. It's fucking <laughs> awesome. <man>. Iron, <laughs> and that iron sharpening that. iron shit is true out there, dude. Oh yeah, and you better believe like 
Dolgarian scramble game is going to be wild. If you're rolling with Brandon Roy out, like you are dealing with high pace and like crazy shit on the ground. Yeah, I am. Dolgarian's one of those people. And, and we talked about a little bit last week when, when I was like doing the prep, watching his previous fights. Like he's one of those people that I don't get that excited about a prospect. And he's one of the most excited I've been about a guy in, in a while. Like Bo what. Nickel type. Yeah. And his stat, his stat for what was it? Five fights. You said five fights, nine minutes. That's so stupid. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, he he fought for like four minutes and something yesterday, and it was like twice as long as any other fight that he had ever had. Right, like, and Insane. it still didn't go out of the first round. Insane, unbelievable. Um, and then to another prospect, somebody that I was interested to see how they were going to develop into their next fight was Yasmin Lucindo, and. There's still stuff that needs to be worked on, right? Like she was still winging hooks, but she started to straighten out some punches. She put in uh, those leg kicks there, right? Now she does need to stop throwing all that spinning shit because uh, like there was uh, quite a few times where she just spun and like didn't even throw anything. Sure. You know, it's like, well, energy-wise, that's probably not great for you. But every time she touched Pollyanna Viana, like you could tell. And Viana had a good game face, right? Like she, you didn't see her wince or anything, but every time it was like, uh, okay, I'm going to take a step back here and and like, gather myself because that fucking hurt yeah she seems like like you know they always say power comes from like your feet and stuff she seems like she just throws with everything um mm -hmm. yeah she's she's um there is something special about her but i mean you you hate to use her age because her experience isn't young right she's been fighting since before she was born but she just has this young energy about her right um and she looked like I don't know why yesterday she looked kind of small to me. Like she just looked like she was looking up at somebody and it's like, you know, someone that has his power, but still needs to work on probably some little gaps in her game. Yeah. I mean, she's 21. Right. And even though the fact that she's been fighting professionally since she was 14, Stupid. um, yeah, insane. Uh, like she's still not grown from that standpoint, right? Like she doesn't have her adult strength yet, Correct. like her adult musculature. So, I she's one of those like I hope they don't they just don't like rush her too quick because like she showed parts in her grappling game yesterday that were really good uh, that we hadn't necessarily seen before the patience you know because what's his name Tanyoni was like threatening to stand him up and it's like no like let her work like she's getting to like she was in three quarters mount like let her work she's just not throwing strikes but the control that she had in the second it opened up for the arm triangle. Like she, boom, the, she was there. The, uh, she's got to have a squeeze. Like, even though she, she doesn't look like she's the most muscular, she has to have a squeeze because Viana tapped quick. Yeah. And I, I want to make a point on that. So I think when I was younger watching UFC, I used to hate the still, the stalemates, like on the cage or on the ground. I, last night, I was so bummed out to hear, I can't say the referee's name. Um, but Pagione. yeah, there you go. But the first stand up against Viana, I hated it. It, it it after that stand up, Luciendo went to go do what she did and got her on the ground, and then mm -hmm. almost got to the point where I don't know if I don't know because I'm not a grappler, but Viana got stood up, and then when she was on the ground hearing her thing, you don't know if she makes a mistake because she's hearing the I don't know. I hate the stand ups, and it led that stand up led to Lucindo getting a favorable position on the feet and then ending the fight. I don't know why it had to be stood up. I personally don't think it needed to be stood up. I'm actually, the older I get, I think 
if someone's holding you on the cage and you can't do nothing for five minutes, I don't know why we break the action anymore. It's it's something that I'm starting to realize in myself. I'm not saying that's the most entertaining thing, but I think standing it up yesterday led to directly to her um, getting a position where she was on the ground, not having work done, and then getting stopped. So, yeah, I I think. I viewed it as kind of two different things because when Viana had the takedown and and I'm with you, like the more it's incumbent upon the person who's in the worst position to stand back up, I think. And if like that leads to four and a half minutes of total lockdown, like, sorry, that's just is what it is. But there, to me, there was a difference between the two scenarios, which is why I was like, I don't want to say nervous because it's not like it had any impact on me, but like why I didn't want Tanyoni to stand it up the second time. Cause the first time, when Lucinda was on the bottom, she was con- she controlled Viana's posture, and Viana couldn't do anything from there. She was completely locked down. Now, granted, should it be on Lucinda to have to sweep, to have to stand up? That's a bit of a different argument. But the second time when Lucinda was on top, she was actively attempting to improve position. She just, it was like small movements, you know? And so the person in... I felt in both of those situations, Lucindo was controlling what was happening. And from the bottom, she basically said, I'm not going to let this person on top of me move at all. And so, you know, does that tire Lucindo out having to lock somebody down? Absolutely. And that can factor into the fight. Uh, but I was I was a little nervous as they were, as he was saying, you got to work on the second time because it's like she clearly is right. Like she is actively trying to improve position. Uh, but yeah, I'm with you. The, but- the older I get, it's like, let them. Let him go. But that's even to my point, too. Like, it doesn't matter if you're a fan. Like, if if I'm in one side of camp or the other, when Lucindo got on top, he was so quick to say work. And it's like, give it a fucking minute, my guy. Like, and I think it's a referee thing. Or, yeah, I think it's a referee specific thing. I don't know if every referee would have jumped in that quickly and been vocal. But it's like when when she got on top and you hear him, you're like, already, (laughs) you know, like, let these people do what they do on the ground. Yeah, and I would have understood him going in that quick the second time if it was Viana on top again, same position, locked down by Lucindo on the bottom. Like, if it was the same thing, and we were like, hey, we know, like, we've seen this play out already. I'm not going to give Viana as much time to try to improve her position because it was proven last time she couldn't do it. I would understand, not that I would agree with it, but I would understand that more so than when it's a totally different fighter on top, different position. And you're quicker that time to say you got to do something. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm not disappointed or anything in the result of the fight. I just, like I said, as I get older, I'm like, dude, if someone's holding you down and the best you could do is just hold them to the, well, then you're not doing anything either. Like, if you're not improving, why do I got to improve? I'm on top. I'm winning, right? It's kind of like if I was, if I was standing up just jabbing you, jabbing, you weren't doing anything, they're not going to be like, you guys better fucking fight, you know? Yeah. So, um, but like I said, that's, that's outside the rule set. They they have their thing where it's like we will stand up fights. I just don't seem to enjoy it as much anymore. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you. And to get back to Lucindo and kind of her career, even though she's fought three times in the UFC already, like you still don't need to rush her, right? She's still the youngest fighter on definitely female on the fighter, card, and female fighter, yeah. yeah, and one youngest female fighter in the organization. So like, don't rush her. I mean. I want to know what they're going to do with her next. She's bounced back and forth between flyweight and strawweight. I think strawweight makes more sense for her just because she does have a smaller frame. If they're going to do that, it depends on what test you want. 
you know, I, you could go with somebody who's a little more experienced just to see if she has that, like a Karolina Kovalkiewicz, who coming off her last fight, you know, we kind of thought she was done. And then she she showed some some decent improvements in the stand-up. And Kovalkiewicz is the type where technically she's going to be sound. And so that would be the test for Lucindo is like, hey, if you're going to be winging stuff, like Kovalkiewicz is going to come right down in the middle sure. and, and you know, piece you up a little bit. Uh, Loma Luke Boonmi is is another one who's a you know good Muay Thai fighter would would kind of test her stand up. Uh, but then if you want her to go against you know smaller prospects or, or younger, I should say prospects, Denise Gomez, uh, you know, is one there who who has that coming off that win over Howard Gee, who had beaten Lucindo previously, or uh, you know another really young uh, prospect. You could have her fight uh, Corey McKenna. Um, who's you know grappling wise is going to be very good, uh, but I don't think it's like oh great performance top fifteen like don't do that to this woman. I agree. I actually like the Kovacavich fight just because a lot of experience and and, and you're going to see someone that's not in this division now like the the top of the division anymore. Um, but that's going to be that old vet grittiness, and it's like if you if you really want to learn something, we'll learn something through her. Uh, that'd be a great fight actually. Yeah, and ultimately, because Lucinda's in a in a bit of a weird position, because despite how young she is, she's not young career wise, right? Know. Like she she doesn't need the round, like she needs rounds to improve, but she doesn't need like cage experience, right? right? Like she has enough of that. So I think you can put her against some of these people that are a little older that have a bit more of a you know more fights because she's kind of right there with them when it comes to that. I agree. Uh, and then a, another prospect. And this is why. I, freaking love fight night cards right because like on paper oh it's not the greatest card but then we get the opportunity to see all of these you know prospects and and they showed out we every fight was a finish until the main card uh but marcus mcgee you know somebody we highlighted last week he's so talented yeah i mean what every time he touched jp bays and granted like bays is coming up from flyweight wasn't that successful at flyweight but every time he touched him, it looked like it hurt. It, it it hurt me, dude. It was so powerful. I was like, this guy hits so hard. And he's fucking, I mean, they, they made a big point about it. Athletic and all that stuff. But you see it. You're like, he 100% is. This guy is different. He looks mean, right? Like, during the fight. That dude, it was, that was an electric fight to me. I was like, this guy is crazy. Yeah. And from a, uh, from a mindset standpoint too, it sounds like he has that kind of elite mindset of like not worrying about other people. Uh, you, I mean, he's, I think in his early thirties mm -hmm. and just made it into the UFC. And when they talked to him about it, he's like, yeah, you know, like if I didn't make it, I didn't make it. Like, you know, just seems to have like a very good head on his shoulders. I think being a father of four will do that yeah, to you. For you, sure. know? Or you, you got like other shit you got to worry about. Um, but Hey, look, we have another prospect at Bantamweight. Like, God, such a talented, talented division. Like, I, I can't wait to watch this guy fighting. He didn't take damage, mm -mm. right? So, like, get him right back in there. Want to watch him fight every single weekend. But to me, this is like the polar opposite of what we saw at heavyweight, right? Because you had Martin Budai versus Josh Parisian. And a minute in, like, they were both exhausted. Budai is on a 12-fight win streak. He's 4-0 in the UFC. But, like, you look at the skill of just the raw skills of that guy who's like a prospect at heavyweight versus a, a guy in Marcus McGee who like is just getting into the UFC is, is not even close to sniffing the top 15 yeah. and just the total difference in skill set. Like I'll watch the smaller fighters 
every day. Like, you know, it's cool when you have a very skilled heavyweight like John Jones, uh, you know, like that really fun to watch. But there's like three. <laughs> well, yeah. And I mean, his his ground game was really, really good. Um, that, that was it was a nice little. Um, I just lost you talking Budai. Yeah, I just lost my train of thought. I'm sorry. Yeah, I mean the like the Kimura, you know, but you ultimately go, like modern MMA, like you shouldn't be getting Kimuras like that. But but that but that's the thing is that's what I was gonna say in heavyweight. I'm not expecting this huge skill like the skill gap. So I'm I'm agreeing with you. Give me give me the tiny people all the time. Um, mm. and yeah, it was it was sloppy. It was a sloppy fight. Like it's just you you see heavy guys, you expect some type of violence. And I think that's why it it is exciting. Well, it can be. Not saying it was, but it can be because you expect this, you know, this violence. But yeah, I mean, he's. If you're gonna do the compare and contrast between like a Marcus McGee and him, there is there's no there's no comparison, right? Yeah, and and the gaps are just so big too. Like, you know, you look at another heavyweight prospect in uh, Jailton Almeida. You know, like him and Budai don't even belong in the no, same cage no, together. No, no. You know, but like that's the. You know, those are kind of like the two prospects, and I know Almeida's getting up there to where he's not necessarily a prospect anymore. Sure. But like you have that versus prospects another week. You know, Isaac Dolgarian, right? Where <laughs> it's just like, yeah, this is totally different. Yep. Um, speaking of different, we saw something that we have only ever seen three times in the uh, UFC cage, uh, and that was the twister Dude. by Damone Blackshear. That was awesome and he like hunted it up too yeah. like you heard him talk about oh yeah like i knew if he threw that like we were getting it it's so fun because not not being a jujitsu practitioner myself yeah i don't see them coming i don't see them and then when you hear the announcement like, oh my god he's going for a twister you're like oh shit, you know because i mean the reason why i know them is because of the two that has happened and you're like jesus i mean it just looks painful <laughs> it just looks so oh, pain yeah. have you ever been put in a twister I, I have not, okay. but like a bunch, the, I have had some experience with like some of the kind of 10th planet type, like real weird, like body torque type stuff. Like there was one thing that was, uh, and granted this was like 10 years ago, uh, it was called a crotch ripper. Uh, and it was one of those, like where your legs get spread out, you know, I, I, I think I've heard it called a banana split too, but it's like one of those things. And it's like these weird, like kind of not traditional jujitsu. Like I'm just going to put you in a lot of pain. Type <laughs> things. Um, yeah. It's not fun. And and I've had, I mean, anything involving your back and neck like that is there's no possible way that it's comfortable. Right. I, mean, I like, can, I can only so imagine I sleep wrong sometimes and I'm out for a couple days. I, I can't, yeah. but it's fun to watch these things that are like, you know, you, they're just unexpected. And and like you said, on a fight night card where all these things are happening, it's like another finish, another wild finish. And then, you know, I like the talk that like he's for sure getting a bonus, right? He's for sure getting one. There's and he did, yeah, of course, <laughs> yeah. And like you want to talk about rare company, like he's in there with Korean Zombie and Thug Nasty, yep. right? Like that, those are the two. And like I know Thug Nasty hasn't fought for a title like Zombie has, but I mean he's one of the better grapplers in in the ufc so really really cool for for blackshear uh to get that especially like you look at his record he, he doesn't have the greatest record um hadn't had a great run in the ufc yet but awesome to see that um and then a another person who had come in as a a pretty highly touted prospect um and and did not look great in her first fight in the ufc she gassed out after the first round against sam hughes uh was jacquelini um 
Amarim mm-hmm. and what she did to Montserrat Ruiz. You know, Ruiz is a, I think they said seven time national champion wrestler in Mexico, but she just looked outsized. Like it, it she got thoroughly, thoroughly dominated. And this is, I think what people expected from Amarim when she first got signed to the UFC, I think she was six and oh, all six finishes. And here she goes again and gets another finish. Um, Another prospect to, just to kind of keep your eye on uh, at at strawweight. I don't. I think she has a lot to sort out uh, just from like making sure that she's consistent with the gas tank. Uh, but that was a weird fight too, right? Because she had arguably ten eight at her. I haven't looked at the scorecards yet, but ten eight the first two rounds, and then it looked like Ruiz was going to win the third round, ten nine up until you know, like the reversal or she swept her the very basic sweep uh and then uh got the submission but the uh, at one point i was like 29 26 final scorecards with no point deduction like that would have been a a rarity uh to say the least yeah it was the two of the judges gave her 10 8 for the first two rounds the other judge gave two 10 nines which i mean the, it, not it, one of those like i thought first yeah, round the, for sure for for sure the first round should be a 10 8 um this is one of those times where like Watching someone on the ground being slick is like exciting. It was real exciting to see. But however, they look like two different skill sets. It looked like someone that was like fighting a, a like a like a, an elite professional. I mean, she just everything she did. I was like, everything she's doing is slick. Even her uh, sweeps, the way she was going from. I mean, she was, and then and, and her ground and pound was good too. It just looked like someone that wasn't shouldn't be in the same cage with somebody else. Um, yep. So good for her. But yeah, I do agree with at least the first round being 10-8. I'm cool with the second round being 10-8. It would have been interesting to be like, damn, you lost the third round. And and it was kind of, when she was on her back, I was like, okay, you know, she had her little cardio troubles. Is this an issue with that? And it's like, no, I think she was just getting in position to sweep her again, and she did it. She did them so easily, it feels like. You you don't always see sweeps. Um, You don't, you definitely don't see them this easy. It was, it was, it was cool to watch. Yeah. And like basic sweeps, like using the Kimura, like to, to sweep, like that is like a day one jujitsu stuff. Um, and it just surprised me because for Ruiz being a wrestler, you would think her top control would would be better. Cause like I, I would get it if she was getting dominated from the bottom, which she did for basically the whole fight. But like I would have expected the time when she was on top that she would have had better control. She knows um, she knows what it, she's got to work on though, right? I mean, hundred percent. If she's clear. still in the UFC, I think for she's sure. like one three or one and two right Fair. now. Um, but this goes to kind of where women's MMA is right now is, and they made a point of it on the broadcast. Like, there's quite a few women that are in the UFC that have like six or fewer professional fights, and so like on the men's side, we see that with heavyweight. Yeah, because there's not as much talent there. We used to see it a lot more, you know, like middleweights making their UFC debut at like three and zero. And now on the men's side, we're only seeing it with like the elite of the elite prospects, Bo Nickel, Isaac Dolgarian, those types of fighters. Um, We're seeing it a little. We see it more in the women's side, but I actually don't think that's a bad thing because I think you're getting development at on the biggest stage now, you know, and and so. I think it's going to help accelerate the uh, the development of women's MMA. Uh, you know, that kind of takes us right into the next fight with the Luana Santos, Juliana Miller, right? Here's two fighters that had less than six pro fights each, you know, and, and it showed. Um, it showed. Yeah, ab- absolutely. Like the skill level wasn't wasn't there. When you looked at the striking, it was like 
sloppy, sloppy yeah just you know bar fight type yeah. type striking um but i was impressed with santos from the same way not the the striking skill clearly but every time she touched juliana miller miller reacted horribly for sure right like there there is definite power there i mean when veronica hardy was piecing up juliana miller miller didn't react like that you know so there there is some kind of special skills there you know the kind of innate trait of power that it's just like you got it or you don't it looks like santos has that um definitely needs to be brought along slowly like very slowly but i'm 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 excited about that it's almost like what bellator does with some of these men you know the the men's prospects that are coming in that have no professional fights and they're signed to bellator because they identify hey these are young fighters and we need to develop them and santos i think is like 22 or 23 um so i I'm excited about that because, as we talked about, that the ability to see the rise of these fighters and the development. Um, but yeah, so that that's one where not the greatest skill on display. There's a reason it was the first fight on the card, uh, but definitely some intriguing things there, I, I thought. Yeah, like I, I think some of Santos's patience is just kind of sit back, but it was also like, and I, I, I'm, I'm saying this with sarcasm, but it's like, I felt like I could have dodged some of Julie juliana miller's punches as soon as she got hurt right like could i have hurt her i don't know but it was just i was like whoa this is real real sloppy and it's stoppage good for santos but i mean you talk about bringing along slowly yeah for sure yep yeah and then uh somebody who i feel like we're talking about every week because it feels like he fights every week uh terrence mckinney uh great showing by him the i mean Braden was just outclassed yeah right like he had they they we talked about it a few times. It looked like they didn't belong in the cage together. Uh, I get it was a, a short notice replacement for Breeden. He was supposed to be fighting uh, Lando Venata. Uh, good on McKinney to come in there, but do exactly what he was supposed to do in that situation. Short notice was, you know, people have been talking about McKinney for a couple of years now since he had that insane debut against Matt Steamroller Frivola. <laughs> um, you know, and, and he's, I hope this is, the performance that gives him that confidence to be able to move forward. Uh, I'm a sucker for body work and my man was digging to the liver. It was, it was fun to watch. Yeah. His, um, it's so weird. Cause he has this energy about him where you're just like, it's really exciting. It seems almost chaotic. His record, you know, it, it could, it could use some, some help a little bit, but last night it was just like, this is my fight and there's nothing you can do to change that. It was, it was exciting. His energy seemed good. Like, like I kind of referenced, he was the guy that was like, let me fight on the 292 cards. Like, dude, that's next <laughs> week. Chill out. He only got hit one time, though, right? Um, yeah. So, yeah, he's he's just exciting. You know, he's just exciting. I think I think if he can string a couple wins together, then you're going to start seeing the matchups that will even, like, be, but he's in lightweight. I mean, lightweight's no joke. You know, like, lightweight's no, no yeah. joke. <laughs> Yeah, it, yeah, and he he does have that thing about him where like I don't know what it is, but I find myself like rooting for him, and, and like I have no stake in, in in his career, but like he has whatever that it factor is that makes you want to see him succeed. I agree. I, you know, I, he definitely has that. Um, and then getting into kind of some the higher skill level performances, right? Like the the top three fights on the card. Yo, Khalil Roundtree is he's fucking violent. Dude. I don't know what it was about after the the Pracnow fight that he lost, but he's like he's in there to hurt people. And it's really interesting when you hear him in interviews because he's like this artist, mm-hmm. you know, and like, but holy shit. 
I've never seen like the hammer fist to the lead hands. Jesus. Like what? Like, that's just like I'm trying to hurt your arm so you can't punch me as hard. It like, was that was so weird. It was so weird. Just kind of like I'm just gonna touch you. <laughs> like it doesn't matter where. I I'm I'm perfectly fine. That's that was like his jab last night was a karate yeah. chop to the hand, pretty much. You know. It was kind of like this, like a little bit of like big brothering of like, like I just want you to feel my strength, yeah. right? Like and and I thought, I mean, Dawkins physically looked good coming in, right? He ate some of the shots pretty well uh, initially. The the straight that dropped him, I think that drops a decent amount of people, especially yeah. people that have been knocked out by gigantic human beings uh, a few times. You know, I think Dawkins is probably done uh, at least in the UFC. Yeah, but. God, Roundtree's, he's out there to hurt people, and it, it's really fun to watch. Uh, he asked for a main event to get the five rounds experience, which I'd watch him main event a fight night, right? Like him him versus maybe Rakic on, on his fight back uh, it, could be fun. It's so smart to say that instead of a name too, right? Like it's it's like give me and he he just presented it in this package. I I want to make I want to see if I can do five rounds. I mean, well, if you beat him in the first round, it doesn't matter how many rounds you're set for. But yeah. it's a it's a mentality thing, right? It is a it's exposure. It's I have to train for five rounds. I don't know what that feels like yet. And who the fuck doesn't want to see him fight five rounds in a main event? Who doesn't want to see that? Like I yeah. do. He's he's Dawkins might have some you know chin issues after being hurt by heavyweights, but. You just knocked out a heavyweight and like he stiffened him up when he went, you know, it was, he's yes. so strong, dude. He's so strong. Yeah. And the, I, I just keep saying, but the level of violence, like I, I can't get over, they showed it in the highlight package yesterday, like, you know, hyping the fight, but like his, when he soccer kicks Carl Ro- Roberson on the ground, Roberson on the ground, and then like, he tried to stomp him, yeah. like directly afterwards, attempted to stomp him. Uh, I want to watch this guy fight every week uh, other than Rakic because who the hell knows when Rakic is coming back. And plus that's a, you know, fifth ranked guy. So you might not get that. Uh, DC kind of tried to like push him, right? He's like, you want to fight up, don't you? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he just called for the main event. Uh, Azamat Mercikanov, who was supposed to be fighting Ozmir, uh, but he got hurt. He's out of that fight. Maybe when Azamat comes back, that could be a fun fight. Uh, maybe the winner of uh, Ryan Span, Anthony Smith. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously, there's the Anthony Smith test in the light heavyweight division. Yep. Right. Like he can main event. He's main evented many times uh, on fight nights. So maybe you can get that. Ryan Span has main main evented on a fight night before. So I think you know, maybe the winner of that fight you could potentially get a, uh, a a main event there. I really like that one. That's a good one. And then our co-main. Uh, um, it was a fun scrap. Who judges? Who judges? Okay, now, let's talk. About uh, you know, I called it. Look at the fight picks, right? I called it. Your boy went undefeated. <laughs> undefeated. Good never job. lost. Um, but the, uh, yeah, that was, I mean, Cub Swanson even was like, yeah, I didn't win that fight. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's hard to say from someone that just went through it, but I went for the decision. I was like, oh, okay, you know, Dawadu won. And he didn't. I was just like, hmm. So definitely a fight I need to rewatch. But I don't know. I don't know. I just don't have Swanson winning. But, I mean, 39 years old, still beating these people. Good for him. I, I disagree with it. Not watching it again. Yeah. it was. I think it was kind of a tale of two styles, right? Like when it was dirty, 
Cub Swanson was was clearly winning. Sure. But I think that that provided an optic that the judges liked, right? Like in these big clashes, Swanson was getting the better of it. Yep. But for the rest of the fight, Dawadu was had these really slamming the guys a you know, Muay Thai national champion, like these really slick combos where I think he was so quick, the refs almost or the judges almost like weren't picking up on what was going on. Where it's like, hey man, he just hit him four times. Yeah. Right. Like one, two, rip to the body, leg kick, boom. You know, and and it was almost like they were giving Swanson more credit for like a big hook than getting hit four times. Um, and even damage wise, like that's supposed to be the number one criteria. And and Swanson looked more beat up than Dawadu. I I don't get that decision. Definitely want to go back and rewatch that though. To, you know, maybe it's yeah, like rewatching O'Malley Yawn, right? Where it's just like okay, like I I kind of see it, but yeah, I I don't know. But Cub Swanson, man, I, like I love the emotion. You know, talked about it before, but him just coming to tears in the cage yeah. afterwards of like the him talking and once again as a dad, right? Like him talking about how nervous he is every time his kids are cage side, but like he wants them to see that, right? That hey, not everything's gonna go your way. Like life is tough. Um, you know, to to have that mentality, I always get really weirded out by kids cage side because I have the image of you know, Mark Coleman trying to get his daughter to talk to Fedor who just beat the shit out of her dad. And she's like crying. <laughs> like, it's just not, not good. Um, but it was to see that. I think that's also something that's like really cool for his kids to see of like, Hey, sometimes you're going to get the benefit of the doubt when you don't deserve it, it you know? And I, I think that was it. It almost like kind of choked me up a little bit as a dad of like, you know, I, I respect the, the shit out of like that decision for Cub Swanson to like, hey, this is who their dad is and they need to see it. And and I, I love that, too. I'm not a fighter, so I don't even have to play the game of like, would I have my kids? But in a world where I was a fighter, I don't think I could. I actually almost agree with Rampage Jackson on this, where he's like, don't bring your kids there. You Don't bring your kids to see you get, you know, like <laughs> he gets need through the. Uh, ropes on Vander like like don't you kids don't need to see that live and I'm like okay I almost get that perspective too I feel like I would be more on that side but to have your family there I mean if you're a family man why wouldn't you right and if your kids are okay with it and your wife's okay with it you know it's a decision like okay we're we're fine with it um and you know Cub Swanson has this thing he's got a cool style and even watching the fight like my eyes kind of always like look toward him so yeah, yeah it's cool to see your your dad do that when that's your dad you know but on yeah. the flip side, you know, you get one of those like insane ass whoopings, you know, or Diego Sanchez, Matt Brown, you know, uh, elbows from the gods. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> get killed in the cage. That. Yeah, yeah, and I think also it, it makes a little more sense in the apex than like in yes. a in a big arena, right? Because like you don't need people yelling that your dad's a fucking bum, and you know, like, like come on, man. <laughs> as people get yeah, get drunk and out of hand like yeah. in an arena as opposed to the apex. Um, but yeah, cool, cool to see. Uh, and then our main event, man, the if you would have told me that Vicente Luque was going to beat Dos Anjos fighting a Dos Anjos kind of fight, I would not have seen that as the path to victory. Yeah, and this was this was a fight that the scorecards are all over the place. I mean, just if you look at him, it's insane. It was a really weird fight. Um, and I liked what we'll talk about the fight, but I, I, I'm going to talk about his interview where he said, in the first round, I was nervous. <laughs> I didn't know if I could take a punch. And it's like, that's such a real moment. And I think it showed in the fight, right? Like, it showed. But 
he's he's a dog too, man. Dos Anjos is a dog. Um, but DC did a really good job of of speaking on RDAs. Like at welterweight, people feel stronger. And yesterday, it just looked like that. It looked like some of the just the turnovers on the fence was like it's just because this man's stronger than you because he's bigger, not because he lifts more. It's just he's bigger and stronger, and I felt like we could see that. And RDA is a little older, so um, yeah, yeah. It was I I appreciate him saying that too, like that very realness of like yeah, I was scared, right? I mean, like the guy had a fucking brain hemorrhage. He got punched so hard in his head that it was bleeding, Oof. you know, and had to come back from that. And I, I don't know if you picked up on it, but uh, DC also said that basically the commission told him like, hey, if if this looks ugly at all, like we're gonna yeah. step in. Yeah. Um, and so like that to have that weighing on top of your mind too, of like, Hey, they cleared me, but like, they don't trust me kind of thing. Well, it's, it's um, putting it, self-doubt in yourself, right? Where it's like, Oh shit. Like, am I okay? Um, yeah. I mean, he did what he had to do, but that's gotta be a mind fuck dude. Oh yeah. And then like that speaks to his strength, like his mental strength. Um, but that, that's a good win, right? Especially coming off of, uh, getting put out like that, right? It, he kind of showed the two things the two fights that he had lost consecutively was Bilal Muhammad beating him how he just beat RDA right and like RDA is a little less of a challenge than Muhammad but also is like the same that kind of same grinding style a little bit uh so he got to test himself against that and then also test his chin because those elbows on the clinch breaks were nasty like he got clipped a couple times uh but that I think that's a really really good win for Luke. You know, he said top five. I don't know if he's there yet, uh, but he's one of those guys that's been around so long. He's fought a lot of the guys that are ahead of him that are not top five. Yep. So I'm not really sure what you do with him. Now, Shavkat's looking for a fight, but I don't know if you're Luke, if you want, want that smoke. Uh, and then, you know, Sean Brady, I just, I, I think it's tough if you're late in your career or further along in your career, like Luke, to accept a Sean Brady fight if for no other reason than like he gets hurt a lot. And yeah. so you you might spend a camp and then not not be able to fight. So I think that's a scary one. Uh, but if he's going to fight top five, a lot of those guys aren't booked. And as far as people he hasn't fought yet, I think after Hamzat fights uh, Costa, he'll be out of the top five at welterweight. So you can kind of get rid of that one. Uh, but I think you know maybe Usman. Uh, is is a potential there? Maybe Gilbert Burns. Uh, I think those are, you know, shooting for the stars a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but if they're going to give him a top five, I think those are are the matchups. I don't think. I mean, Covington. I they haven't said it yet, but I think he's going to fight Leon for the title. I think they did and then, announce that, didn't they? Did they finally announce I, I, it? I think so. Or, or it's like a behind the scenes. Like this is definitely fucking happening. You know. Yeah, yeah, because then like you can't have him fight Jeff Neal again. No, right, and you can't have him fight Wonder Boy again. I don't think, like, just because I don't think that does enough for the two of them. And then like Bilal, we just saw. So it's a bit of a weird position if you want Luke fighting up, because uh, I think that sucks for him if he's fighting down coming off of a win. You know where he's at. I think, and you said Sean Brady. I'm just thinking you're ready to see Sean Brady fight again. <laughs> you're ready. To I see am 100 percent yeah, yeah, ready to see him fight yeah. again. Uh, yeah, but I think I don't like that matchup for Luke Head, not because of like the in-cage stuff, but just if you're further along in your career and you, you know, like camps take a toll. And if you're going to do that and then Brady doesn't make it to fight night, like that's, that's unfortunate. Yeah, I agree. So, 
What do you do with um, what do you do? What do you think RDA does from now? I don't I don't know this one seventy thing. I don't I don't get it. Yeah. Maybe it's just a weight cut yeah. at his age. Yeah, he's thirty eight, yeah. right? And like, I think he thought maybe one seventy was going to be a little easier, like with some top ten wins than lightweight. Uh, I you know I I don't know. I yeah I'm I'm not sure. What, I think he's one of those guys that if they had like a one sixty five, yep. it, it'd be kind of good for him right now. I just think yeah, at his age, making that cut probably is not fun. Um, yeah, I think maybe he's he's a money fight guy now because if it's not that, it's it's a gatekeeper role at, at this point. Of you know, hey, if we think we got somebody like a Jack Della, you know, if he's going to stay up, if Dos is going to stay at one seventy, you know, maybe something like that. Yeah, uh, where it's you know, hey, we want to test this guy's metal uh, and and see if he can you know last in a grinding type fight. But uh, yeah, it's it's a weird position for RDA for sure. Yeah, because he he definitely. I mean, even last night showed he can go five. He can go five. He can go five. And in the fifth round, at the end of the fifth round, it's like, God, he still has tank in him. But, yeah, I mean, mm, kind of. And, and a grueling fight, yeah. too, right? Like, a, a, which is an RDA fight. Like a, That's just how that man fights. Uh, but, yeah, I'm just, just not sure where, where you go from here. I do know where people should go, though. And and, and where, where is that? Are you talking about them going to X? Yeah, Artist formerly known as Twitter, uh, going there, going to at number one BS pod and giving us a follow. Uh, and are you all or or are you talking about them going to their podcast listening service of choice, clicking the old follow button, maybe like subscribe? I don't I don't know what it is on on their podcast listening service, um, and so that way they would know when the f updates drop uh, and get notified. You know all the episodes drop, and we can start moving up in some of those rankings. You know people will. Get more people to the party. Is, it, is that what you were talking about? It's exactly what I was talking about. Yeah. Oh, okay. All right. All right. Good. Good. Okay. Good. Well, what I'm talking about is UFC 292. Dude, I've been waiting for. I don't mean to cut you off. I've been waiting for yeah. this card for so long, and it's finally here. I want to talk about it so bad. But go ahead and tell me some people that we need to watch for this card oh, that yeah. I think is going to be amazing. Yeah. So the the first two are both. Uh, women's flyweights, both last names Silva. Uh, first one is Natalia Silva. She's fighting number 13 KGB, uh, Andrea Lee. Now, Natalia Silva has a bit of an interesting record. She's 15, 5, and 1, uh, 5 KO, TKO, 7 submissions, but she's 2 and 0 oh in the UFC with, with uh, two stoppages. Uh, she hasn't lost a fight, a fight since 2017. She's on a nine fight win streak. So, uh, you know, when you hear that, um, the, the record is a little deceiving. Her last loss was to Marina Rodriguez, who's the number nine weight, uh, number nine ranked straw weight. But she was 20 years old when, when that loss occurred. Uh, so, you know, almost kind of like a Lucindo where she's been fighting since a very young age. And so her record's a little skewed. But she has filthy, filthy striking, really quick hands, fast, fast kicks. Uh, but this this fight is going to be her, her biggest test uh, to date. Right, uh, KGB Lee is is no joke. Uh, she's ranked right. Like this is from this point on. If Natalia Silva gets this win, like you are only fighting the best of the best. Um, but she she's violent, right? Like her her spinning back kick <laughs> win against uh, Teresa Bleda, uh, and then the her last fight against Leonardo uh, Victoria Leonardo was, I mean, just violent, right? And so it's it's something we don't necessarily always see at straw weight. So she's one 
super or sorry, flyweight. She's one super, super excited for. Uh, and then Karina Silva, also violent. She is she looks so muscular. Like she's just one of those she has that like grappler's body where like her upper body just looks strong. She's 16 and four, and she's got that Shafkot energy. She split right down the middle. Uh eight KO TKOs, eight submissions. Uh so sorry, Marina Morose. You don't know which one you're gonna get this time. Uh, but she's two and zero in the UFC, two submissions. Uh, she's terrifying. Like her last fight where it looked like a straight ankle lock, but the squeeze from her knees popped Ketlin Souza's knee. Um, I mean, if, if you're into seeing nasty injuries, you can go watch that fight. It's so gross. Yeah. It's, it's disgusting. Um, but Moroz has never been finished, right? So you have the kind of unstoppable force, a movable object kind of thing going here. And, uh, Moroz does have a win over Myra Bueno Silva. At flyweight now granted bueno silva not the same fighter at flyweight as she is now at bantamweight uh but nothing to sniff at so this is a a very big test for karine silva you know that we're going to learn a lot about her if she can't get the finish is she going to be able to to carry things on for 15 minutes where we fit and i'm finding out uh another one that i'm super excited about uh mario batista at bantamweight now he did have an opponent up until last night apparently uh he was supposed to be fighting cody garbrandt which i know your thoughts on cody garbrandt but still would have been like it's a good name for him to have that fight against but apparently full french method uh garbrandt pulled out and so uh batista's waiting for an opponent who knows who it's going to be on one week's notice Uh, obviously it's not going to be the the same name recognition not going to be somebody that I, I wouldn't think it's going to be somebody who's ranked because why would you do that to yourself? Because Batista, six and two in the UFC, um, four finishes, one knockout, three submissions. Uh, he's on a, a three straight first round submission streak. Oof. So the guy has just been putting people away so slick on the ground. Uh, but one of his losses is to, to Sandhagen, yeah. right? So, like, that's it is what it is. Sandhagen is yeah. one of the best bantamweights in the world. Um, but Batista trains out of the MMA lab uh, in Arizona, and the number of people that they have, uh, especially at the lower weights, the one fighter at the higher weight, they do have Cannoneer. Uh, but even looking at, at Bantamweight, Tyler Phillips, who we just saw, have a good win. Marcus McGee, who we just saw, is an absolute animal. Uh, and then somebody else is fighting on this card, Sean O'Malley, yeah. out of that camp. So like those are the the rounds he's getting in camp, you know, day in and day out. Uh and I just love his game. He's got that diverse striking. He's good kicks, throwing spinning shit, kind of unpredictable type stuff. Uh, but he is active on the ground. Uh, it's a different game than Isaac Dolgarian, but he has that, like, I'm never going to let you be comfortable. It's going to be scrambles, almost raw dog, Roy Val style, constant ground and pound, constantly hunting up submissions. I mean, he went fucking knee on belly against Guido Canetti, which if you don't train, it just sucks. It's somebody driving their knee into your stomach and pulling up on the back of your head. It hurts. It's uncomfortable. Um, Yeah, so like that's just the type of fighter that Batista is. I highly encourage you guys, if you have ESPN Plus or Fight Pass, go back and watch some of his fights because he is fun to watch. Uh, and then the, the oh, last wait, one wait, I'm going to hop before you yeah. move on. This seems like a card though. I would like to know his mentality of like, just give me somebody, right? Like, just give me some, let me be on this card. And then like, this is a good exposure card. O'Malley's going to bring eyes, uh, two championship fights. Like, give me on this card, you know? So I, Absolutely. I, I do hope we see him. 
Yeah, yeah, I'm right there with you. Like watching, he was one of the people watching his fights as I was prepping this week. I was like, oh shit, I can't wait to watch this guy yeah. fight. And then you know, then the news yesterday. But hopefully they can keep him on the card. Yeah. Uh, and then the the last one, fighter to watch. It feels weird because he's ranked top 15 and he's fighting a top 15 opponent. I initially had it in the uh, fights to watch, uh, but talking about Ian Machado, Gary, number 13 ranked welterweight. He was supposed to be fighting uh, Jeff Neal, who's ranked number eight, but Neal got hurt. And so he's out. And now he's fighting uh, Neil Magny, which if you're a welterweight prospect, you fight Neil Magny. It's what you do. Um, I actually think this is going to be a tougher test for uh, IMG, as we will call him. Uh, but I, I think it's a tougher test because this is, I mean, Neil Magny is the grind on the fence type fighter. We just saw that in his last fight against Fresh Prince. Uh, but that's a test that I think IMG needs to pass. I mean, Jeff Neal was going to be, we know who Jeff Neal is. He brings big power. And there was a bunch of shit talk between the two of them. So uh, Ian Gary showed up to the last pay-per-view with a picture of Jeff Neal's mugshot on his shirt, just talking a bunch of shit. Um, so I think that was going to play into Gary's hand where it's this stand-up type fight. He's not going to get that luxury now. So I, I am from a learning about IMG. I think this is a better fight, but from just fireworks, I, I was looking forward to that Jeff Neal fight. Um, but what Ian Machado Gary did to D-Rod in his last fight was impressive. People don't put D-Rod away like actually the only two people to finish D-Rod in the UFC are actually fighting each other now with Neil Magny uh, and IMG, but Neil Magny darsed him. I mean, IMG hit him with that kick, dropped him in just nasty ground and pound. We had not seen that. Uh, went over Neil Magny, top 10, right? And you know if Gary gets the win, he's good on the mic, right? Like people want to compare him to McGregor because he's from Ireland and brash, but like He's not that, but he he is good on the mic. And so if he gets this win, you know he has a call out that he's going to be ready with. So th this could be, you know, he had a bit of the star-making performance against D-Rod because it was an ABC card and he gets the finish. But if you're on main card, a Sean O'Malley card, right? Like the eyes are there. This is a very big opportunity for Ian Machado Gary to like get himself to be that next superstar. Well, let me ask you this win, lose, or draw for uh, Machado Gary. If you're Jeff Neal, do you say, I still want to fight him regardless of the outcome? Yeah, I think so. Um, even though it's, I mean, Jeff Neal was fighting down anyways um, at because he's ranked number eight. I think just the shit talk, you know, or. He might play that power game too, though, of like, hey, it's going to fuck up Gary's career worse if he loses, and then I don't give him that shot. And and, and that's what I'm thinking, right? Like, if you want to do all that shit, of course I want to get my hands on you if I'm a fighter, right? But if you mm -hmm. lose, it's like, you weren't ready. You know, like, I would have done worse. Whatever, However you lost, it would have been worse with me. Um, So almost just because I think no matter what happens, if he if he wins, I think it's got to be Jeff Neal. Um, unless like you're saying, he just has that magic, magic talk and he talks himself to a different mm -hmm. fight. If he wins, you got to expect the next fight to be Jeff Neal. Right. And, and then uh, Machado Gary can be like, well, you already pulled out one. You already got scared once. I mean, it, it, there's this whole thing. So it'd be interesting to see what would happen though. If he loses. Yeah. Yeah. If, if he, if he loses, I don't think that fight happens because I think if I'm Jeff Neal, I'm like, Hey, Hey, Hey son, yeah, you, you get a couple boys, wins yeah. And, and yeah. And, and then we can talk. Um, It'll be interesting to see if IMG wins, what happens rankings-wise. Yeah.
Right, because they do weird shit with rankings, and if if they drop Neil and then put IMG above him, I could see IMG being like, oh, you had your chance. You know, you couldn't make it to fight night. Sorry. You know, like, it, it could go both ways on that. Um, but yeah, excited for that. I, I want to see how, the, how that plays out. Uh, and then fights to watch Cheeto Vera, right? Like, we... Despite his last performance against Sanhagen, like Cheeto Vera is somebody who's fun to watch. Uh, as a, once he gets going, I mean he he hurts people, right? Like people's faces don't look the same when they fight him. Go ask Rob Font, right? Like he is he puts it on people, but he's fighting another guy at one thirty five who has the same type of power yep. in Pedro Munoz, right? And. I know we were all super excited because this fight was supposed to be Cheeto Vera versus Henry Cejudo, uh, and it almost feels like a letdown with Pedro Munoz, but it's still number six versus number 10, and but it's a three-rounder. Yep, and, and here's the thing. The day that we say Cheeto Vera's not on a fights to watch is like, it's got to be 10 years from now, right? <laughs> like, it's got to be. Yeah. So it's always <laughs> exciting. Um, I think Cheeto Vera is a clear, like, clear favorite in this fight. I think that he has, I think he has, the the bigger tool set to beat Munoz. But man, this is a really good fucking hopefully a really good stand up fight. This is gonna be this is gonna be I, I feel like when Cheeto touches people sometimes it's like, what the hell? And mm-hmm. I think Munoz has the same thing. It's gonna be interesting to see how each of them takes each other's uh power. Uh this is a this is a banger for sure. Yeah, and, and I'm really interested because like Cheeto has a tendency to start slow. Yeah. We've seen it, right? Like the Dominic Cruz fight. I mean, heck, even the Frankie Edgar fight, right? Like, we remember the the great finishes, the spectacular finishes. He almost finishes. lost to Frank, Frankie Edgar, dude. Yeah, 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 and not prime Frankie, no. right? <laughs> so, so like, that is going to be interesting because Pedro Munoz just walked forward. Yep. There was one fighter that he didn't stock down, and that was Sean O'Malley. Mm-hmm. And, like, I understand that from a reach standpoint. Sean O'Malley is a very unique uh, fighter. Like, you don't want to walk into that <laughs> that storm. Mm. But also, Cheeto carries similar power, and Cheeto does have the win over O'Malley, but he carries similar power, too. So, like, how is, is he going to try to stock him down? Is he going to try to stay on the outside? If he tries to stay on the outside, this that's not good for Cheeto, mm. right? Because now you get into that Cheeto waiting for the fight to start type thing, which doesn't bode well for him, especially in a three-round fight. So, very, very interesting to see what what the approach is there, and then... The first time, I mean, almost like, you know, two Rams running into each other. The first time, like, that clash happens. Can't wait for that. I I can't either. And just from me not looking at any uh, stats on each fighter, Cheeto Vera is going to be significantly bigger, correct? I I think a longer reach. um, Let's check their heights. Uh, Cheeto is a long bantamweight. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's as pronounced as, say, the... uh, uh, he is about as uh, Sean O'Malley has like an inch reach on him. So a five ten and a half reach for Cheeto. Uh yeah. Signif- five five reach for Pedro Munoz. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, about a five and a half inch difference. Yeah, it, it's gonna be interesting. Now, granted, like your Pedro Munoz, you've been fighting longer fighters. He just I mean, Chris Gutierrez is a longer fighter and he just absolutely crowded him. Yep. You know, I mean, just walk walked him down. And Gutierrez was one of those guys that's like, hey, he's like a Yanez, you know, one of these guys that's going to be working his way up. And, you know, Pedro Munoz said, you know, 
hold my Musimax or whatever, or not Musimax, the whatever old people drink, uh, their fiber. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's funny because Munoz is 36 and is still known as the young Punisher. Yeah. Um, and, and as somebody in their late 30s, yeah, he's young. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I'm right there with you. Uh, but yeah, like this is one I'm. I think we're going to find out early on what Munoz's strategy is and then how that's going to play out. Really excited for that. And then we got we got a double dose of championship fights. Yes, sir. Uh, we have Amanda Lemos uh, fighting Wei Lee for the strawweight belt. Now, Lemos has fought at 135 in, in the UFC. Now, granted, she looked different. It was one of those things. She's been in the UFC a while back when they only had a 135 division. So, you know, a lot of women's fighters were having to fight up. But she's almost like Pedro Mino. She's just going to walk you down. Yep. Right. And she might not be the most active on the feet, but when she throws, she has fight changing power, not necessarily knock you out power, uh, but it's fight changing. You see when she puts her hands on these women, like they, things change. Um, and this is one of those rare straw weight fights where they both do. Yeah. <laughs> right. But both can change the fight with, with one punch. Um, and Lemos has a good ground game. She'll, she'll hunt up uh, different submissions. Uh, she had that uh, that guillotine that she had uh, that she had jumped on uh, Michelle Waterson Gomez, and I get it. You know, we we know who Waterson Gomez is, uh, but stalked down Marina Rodriguez. And Marina Rodriguez, I, th- I believe, ranked number three at the time. You know, champion level Muay Thai fighter. Uh, basically, Rodriguez needed to get through Lemos to get her title fight, and Lemos said, "Uh, uh-uh, uh," and and just brutalized her on the feet. So, going to be. Uh, one of those fights where you know that you're kind of holding your breath until those clashes happen, and because anything can happen. And Wei Li, since she lost that second fight to Rose, it, it reminds me of Roundtree losing the fight to Prakney. Like she's different. She's fucking violent right now. Yeah, for sure. The, the, but this is clearly uh, Lemosha's like biggest test by. I mean, it's like far and away her biggest test, right? And we know what Wei Li has. Um, you're right. These 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 women both have fight changing power. I feel like the fight changing power is a little bit more on Whaley. That might be a bias to me, but I just feel like when she hits Lamosh, if Lamosh walks through it, it's gonna be a problem, right? Because it's like, oh shit. And for both these women, but I just feel like Whaley's gonna have a little bit more of that, you know, that I hit me and like, oh, I felt that one. Um huge test for Lamosh. Um God, this is going to be a fun one. This is going to be such a good championship fight before another championship fight. Like, this is a great yeah. fight. Yeah, and with Wei Li, like, her game has changed since the Rose fight, too. Like, she is so much more grappling heavy now, and it has to do with working with Henry Cejudo, right? Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, the the wizard Henry Cejudo. Yeah, Cejudo's uh, changing so many people's, like, games. And yeah, I, I love it, to see it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, it's perfect for Wei Lee because she's so strong. Yeah. She has such good cardio. Like, what she did to Joanna in their second <sighs> fight, because the first fight, I thought Yin Chechek won. I did too. But I thought, you know, obviously her looking like an alien with the giant hematoma across her head, like the visual wasn't right. But watching the actual fight, I thought Joanna won. She punked her in the second fight. No, I mean, just gra- like nasty ground and pound. Um, and then she went and did the same thing. To Esparza every time, and like granted, Esparza is always hesitant on the feet, you know. But when that fight went to the ground, the the scrambles from Wei Li, I mean, she out wrestled Esparza 
and the rear naked from like a reverse crucifix position was fucking wild i mean it was like legitimately dc was like oh she can't get the choke from here oh and she tapped yep. like immediately and that lets you know the squeeze the strength way lee's one of those that I'll, I'll watch her fight anybody and if she gets this win the ufc has to go to china they have right to. like they have to do her versus shonen yan in china yeah that is i'm watching way lee's fights back getting ready for this podcast i was like holy shit like i it got me excited for Whaley again for yeah, sure yeah and and you're right if they if if Whaley wins in any fashion it doesn't matter how she wins you gotta have china versus china in china it's the only what china it's the only thing <laughs> it's the only thing you can do now it's and you know i kind of want to see that so <laughs> yes yeah, yeah i do i do too um and then our main event yes right like this is one that we've been uh, waiting for since the Michael Jackson jacket came off and Marab <laughs> stole it, which I can only hope Marab still has it and like wears it to the fight while he cornering he Aljo. He <laughs> um, but O'Malley Aljo, I mean, just I I don't even like know where to go from here because when you look at O'Malley, like far and away the biggest test of his career, Easy. right? And like because Piotr Jan was and and one thing I want to talk about is I think. I think we have a little bit of a misperception of Piotr Jan's performance against Aljo. Um, I initially thought like, oh, he got dominated by Aljo in the second fight. And so then when it was like, you know, I, I thought he won the O'Malley fight. But like, then it's like, okay, MMA math, because it works so well, like O'Malley has no shot. But going back and rewatching that fight, Aljo versus Jan, the second fight, did not play out as I thought. There was absolute dominant back control by uh, Aljo in rounds two and three. But Jan outgrappled him in rounds four and five. And so I thought O'Malley did a better job against Jan's grappling and being able to stand back up than Aljo did in rounds four and five mm. in, in that fight. And so like I think the grappling is going to be very interesting to see. You know, because ultimately, like Aljo, he he took down an, an Olympic gold medalist, right? He yep. he was ragdolling Cejudo at times, yep. but also he was what two of twenty in takedowns against Cejudo, or four of twenty, four, 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 yeah. four of twenty, and two of twenty-two against Dion, right? So, like, what Aljo has when he backpack, right? Human backpack, that's a rap rap. Like he's, <laughs> you know, when he takes you down, you're not getting back up. But also, it comes from the back. Yep. And so, how does that play out? Because I don't see o O'Malley doesn't really give up his back. He has O'Malley has really good takedown defense. Um, his takedown defense is at sixty percent. Um, where, uh, to your point, Sterling's takedown accuracy is at twenty four percent. The thing is, though, is that Sterling's one of those people. He's not. He's not taller than O'Malley. I think O'Malley has one inch. But he always feels he's like that John Jones, where it's like he just engulfs the cage. It just seems like he mm -hmm. knows how to take up space. But O'Malley's so slick on the feet. I'm really excited to see the stand up portion of this because you know you know what O'Malley's going to bring. Un unfortunately for O'Malley, I'm not training takedown defense if I'm fighting O'Malley. I'm just not right. So I already have this. I already have jujitsu. I'm in this, this Sarah Longo camp. Uh, I can wrestle. You know, you know, Sterling has the cardio where. And you watched the fight more recently. My recollection is that O'Malley looked tired in the third round of the Yon fight. Um, he did. 
and and this is four and five, right? So this is where Sterling just has to be like, I, I think I can tire this guy out. But how slick O'Malley is on the feet, dude. This one is a fucking banger, dude. This is exciting. Yeah, I want to see how how Aljo responds to all the feints, like all of the stuff coming at him, because Aljo has a tendency to sprint, bank three rounds, and then kind of, I don't want to say coast, but he's not nearly as effective in rounds four and five as he is in rounds one, two, three. Mm. And so, granted, O'Malley has never fought five rounds, looks tired at the end of every fight he's ever fought, <laughs> uh, even even like two-round fights. You know, like he just always looks tired at the end of it. So the the cardio is, we're going to find out, right? But I am, if O'Malley can carry the power late, that could be a problem for Aljo, right? And Aljo's best striking, he does have a nice long jab, but his best striking is kicks. Yep. And like, do you want to live in kick range against Sean O'Malley? Yeah, and just and just to do a little correction before we have to do this, correct ourselves on the F updates. It's, 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 <laughs> he got four fifteen against uh, Cejudo instead of four twenty. But still, okay. you're absolutely right. Like, I think in the fourth and fifth rounds, if it even makes it that far, it will be fun to see. Okay, did I wear his ass out? And is O'Malley tired? And if O'Malley's not, because you know, um, I think O'Malley's technically proficient enough that his accuracy is still going to be there but if it holds power man this is this is this is a i don't know fight this is really an i don't know fight now now if i'm talking business i think it's better for the ufc if o'malley wins if i'm mm -hmm. talking about just being a fan i i would love to see o'malley win but I, there's no world where i live in where i'm like aljo can't win i mean there's there's definitely a world where this fight can be done we're talking on our podcast saying yeah aljo won i'm not surprised you know like it's played out how it how it should Oh yeah, and and I prior to the the prep for the podcast, I was thinking like, oh, this is this isn't a good matchup for for O'Malley at all. Yep. Like I think you know Aljo's just going to dominate him. But then watching the fight, I was like, oh, like O'Malley doesn't really expose his back. Aljo is a volume, you know, to borrow from the gaming world, he spams takedowns <laughs> like he, it's just volume until he gets people down. Now his control is great, but his control isn't really from the front. It's back control, and he's as good as anybody at getting there, right? Yeah. I mean, him and Grant Dawson are probably the two best in the UFC at getting to back control and not letting people get out of it. But I can't recall O'Malley giving up his back, really. And so I'm interested to see if the takedown happens. Can O'Malley, you know, kind of like McGregor against Khabib, you know, like just scoot back, butt scoot, get his back to the fence and never expose his back? Is Aljo going to try to clinch? in order to get the back control from standing within the clinch to get there, you know, and then be able to do the takedown from the back. Like I, how that plays out is going to, going to tell a lot because if, if Aldo can't get the back, that that's going to be a problem. And every single round starts on the feet. Yep. No, I bet say unless Aldo's game is always pressuring takedowns, even if I don't get it, just putting you back on the cage, putting you back because that's going to wear you out. And also it's going to lose you round O'Malley rounds, right? Like if, if that's the only action, I can't hit him. But I do feel like we're going to see some of that spark that like O'Malley was able to do against Yon, where it's like I I think O'Malley, short of just getting taken down the first round, getting back, you know, rear naked choke, he's going to hit Aljo. He's going to connect. He's going to do some funky shit. Uh, oh man, this is a good one, dude. I'm getting more excited thinking about it. Yeah, yeah. and and like granted. Aljo's been hit before, but like everyone that's ever watched Aljo fight has in their mind the Marlon Marais knockout. Yeah. 
right? Now, granted, I was one of the most savage. It was a kick, but it was a knee straight to the dome. Like, but Sean O'Malley carries that that one punch power. Yep. Right. And it's not like for either one of these guys, it's an easy cut. Mm-mm. Right. And I don't know if you've seen pictures of Aljo lately. He's so yoked. Dude, he's like, huge. Yeah. So that's that's gonna make it more so like muscles retain water, mm-hmm. you know, to be to be able to make that cut. Uh how's the brain gonna hold up? You know, like there it's it's not an easy cut. So yeah, like there, there's so many different storylines to this fight and watch it's gonna be like a quick like <laughs> one, you know, one minute fight and we we talked about it more than than the fight actually, you know, ran. But yeah, we're gonna find out. We're gonna find out about, you know, can Aljo deal with a slick striker like this who's as big as him, if not bigger? And then O'Malley, like, do you have the grappling now? Because hey, guess what? If you beat Aljo, guess who's next? Right, you got Marab waiting in the wings with with your Michael Jackson jacket, <laughs> and and we we also got to talk about Aljo felt pressured into this fight, right? Like this isn't a fight that he wanted to take right now. I don't think he's scared of O'Malley at all, but he didn't want to fight next week that quick. And and, yeah. and, and there's there might be a reason for it. There, maybe the reason he's big is because he is anticipating the the jump up. Um, and then like like to your point about O'Malley having Marab next if he wins if Aljo doesn't take an immediate rematch is we're already training for you in our camp for you right so now we have stuff to look for this is this is a banger dude the, but but yeah. that division changes with O'Malley winning for sure 100% yeah cuz yeah. cuz uh, there's no shortage of people in line like who wouldn't want to see fucking O'Malley Sandhagen yep like come oh, on oh that's the one i want to see so bad i want to see that more <laughs> yeah. than Marab i don't i want to see that first Oh yeah, like I'm gonna have to have like spare underwear if that fight happens, <laughs> for, for sure. Gross. Um, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's not as gross as what I was gonna say. So, um, and uh, our fight announcements coming up. Uh, there was a change to the Paris card, uh, which is in a little less than a month, September second. Uh, Azamat Mursakhanov, we we referenced it already. He was supposed to be fighting uh, no time Vulcan Ozdemir, uh, but he got hurt. He is out. And so now number nine, Ozdemir, is fighting an unranked Bogdan Gushkov, uh, who is 14 and 2. All 14 have been finishes, 12 knockouts, two submissions. He's only gone the distance once. Uh, so super exciting. Uh, and so Mertz Konoff was ranked 11th. So now you're fighting number 11, you know, supposed to be fighting number 11, going to an unranked guy. Bogdan actually kind of looks like a, a, a Eastern European version of Anthony Smith. Nice. <laughs> if you look at him, yeah. Um, so change to that card uh, sucks because Azamat's like in his mid to late 30s. He's still undefeated, but just does not fight often. Yeah. Um, unfortunate. And then UFC 293, that's the Australia card happening a week later. A couple changes to that one. Uh, Vivian Araujo was supposed to be fighting King Casey O'Neill. Casey O'Neill got hurt, so she's off the card. Um, and now Araujo is fighting uh, October 14th against Jennifer Maya, the woman that just beat King Casey. So uh, actually a step up for Araujo, better fight for her. I'm excited to see Maya come back because the the boxing clinic that she put on against O'Neill was totally out of left field, not expected. So, yeah. so excited to see her come back. Uh, and that fight night, they haven't announced a headliner yet, but that's very, very quickly becoming an interesting card. That's the one that has Sadiq versus Barboza. Uh, Tatsuro Tyra's fighting on that card. We have uh, Jonathan Martinez versus Adrian Yanez on that card. Like yeah. That's very quickly becoming a, a very fun card. And then the main announcement for UFC 293, they did finally announce it, uh, Izzy versus Strickland yes. for uh, the middleweight title. Uh, Strickland kind of talked his way into that one as well as 
you know, the fact that Duplessis did not take the fight on uh, on a relatively quick turnaround. Uh, I had heard that they were trying to get a, I forget what they said. It was a different fight that they were trying to get for the card. And that's the reason that the Strickland fight uh, took so long to, to be announced. It might've been, gosh, I can't remember. Are you, are you saying a different fight for Izzy? No, uh, no, no, no. Like okay. A different fight to, to try to headline it. Um, I, I can't recall what it was, but it was like a big time, big time fight. Uh, and they couldn't get it. And so then that's the Strickland Izzy fight. That's it's been, you know, on again, off again, will they, won't they uh, kind of thing there. Uh, but that is official now. Excited for it. But I just feel like this is this is the fight for Izzy, man. Like this is tailor made. Yeah, I mean, this is one of those like Strickland's his defense is weird. Uh, we already seen him fight kind of a Izzy esque type thing in Poetan. Not, I mean, not really, but you know, that's that's their specialty. Um, but good for Strickland. I mean, Strickland's done enough to you know deserve to be like at least let me get one in my fucking life you know it's just yeah against izzy's <laughs> yeah and he's company man right like strickland yep. takes on fights on short notice all the time like give, give the man his chance uh one interesting note strickland did after getting knocked out by poetan uh, he has trained with him yep. since then and apparently uh poetan is like hey here's a hole in your game here's why i was able to knock you out like y- you know and and very much giving him because you can't downplay the camp that Strickland's fighting in out of right because like obviously it's done very well for him but also to go in and have a world champion level kickboxer you know kind of help you out a little bit with like hey here's here's what people from my world are looking at when we fight you is is a very unique yep. and uh, you know granted Poetan was losing the fight until he knocked out Izzy but he knocked out Izzy in MMA yep. right so like very interesting kind of subtext uh, to this fight. But yeah, ultimately, I think that this is not a great stylistic matchup for Sean Strickland. Well, also, Strickland has in the past been on interviews talking shit about Izzy. They're going to talk shit. Izzy's going to play up some of the things that Strickland said about like the pink hair and stuff. So I expect Izzy to just be a flamingo fight week, you know? Yeah. But yeah. that it's going to get more people's eyes on it. And it's going to be good for Strickland where I think he loses. But it's going to be good for his... You know, for people to see him fight because he is someone that, whether you like his personality or not, he's game. Dude, he's game. It, it, this isn't an easy fight for Izzy. I just think, like you said, it's a tailor made fight for Izzy. Yeah. Cause, like, ultimately, at the end of the day, Strickland took on Poeton when he was unranked and attempted to walk him down. Yeah. Didn't end well for him at all. But, like, had that mindset of, like, oh, this guy left left hooks people you know into another another universe cool let's see if he could do it and it was a terrible game plan and he he is yeah, 100%. but i mean he has that mindset where it's like i'm not scared of you um and i think i think sean strickland in that fights particularly just like my chin is gonna hold up against this guy and it's like no it's not this guy's different sometimes you have someone's different so but great match i mean it's gonna be a great fight uh maybe not a great matchup it's gonna be a great fight it's a good headlining for that you know that that arena deserves a good uh, uh, it deserves Izzy's presence, so it's gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah, and I hopefully we're making another announcement here in the next week or so for that card. They've been trying to get Jack Della uh, a fight on that card, but apparently people don't want to fight him. Yeah, um, and he's like, "Give me an unranked person. Like, I don't give a fuck. I want to fight." Um, so hopefully he can get on that card. Any uh, anything else uh, that that we might not have talked about? I know Derek Lewis uh, signed an eight fight contract. Uh, with the UFC, so we're not going to see um, 
the most anticipated rematch of the most exciting fight ever uh, in Ghana versus Lewis too. Uh, not going to see that, but I, uh, anything I, else on your end? No, I, I, I kind of, I do have one thing and I hate to talk about it because we're trying not to talk about speculation at all, but it's just getting old at this point. The Conor McGregor saga. Like I understand that. I, I really think the UFC thought the ultimate fighter was going to do bigger numbers or like be more exciting, but he just came out saying he's fighting Michael Chandler next in December then Gaethje for the BMF title and the DS trilogy. It's like, at this point, like, if I'm Chandler, I hope I'm not, I hope Chandler's not waiting for that, quote, opportunity because it doesn't feel like it's going to happen. And I think Chandler's going to waste some of his um, fighting years if the UFC is holding this in front of him. Now, this could be just Connor talking shit, but it's like, if I'm Chandler, cocaine's like, a hell of a drug, man. Well, for sure, but it's also like <laughs> if the UFC, the UFC is also going to be in a position where they're gonna have to skirt some of these USADA things to have him fight in December, and I don't think it'd be a good look. I just, if I'm Chandler, I, I, I hope he's just like, look, I did Ultimate Fighter. I thought I was gonna get a fight. Let me just move past it, right? Let me just move past this until McGregor is ready to fight because I would love to see that fight, but it's just, it's, it's. I know this is all coming from McGregor, but I hope the UFC doesn't even entertain this unless McGregor gets in that fucking USADA pool, man. Oh yeah, I completely agree. Like I'm, I'm almost tired of McGregor, right? Like I, you don't fight, yeah, right. Like you're all you're caring about right now is promoting your your different alcohol brands. It's like great, make your money, yeah. but like this idea that he is somehow still a top flight fighter. I, I haven't seen anything that we would lead know. me to believe that's the case. Yeah, yeah we, we don't because know. he just doesn't fight. Yeah. So like, yeah, if I'm Chandler, I'm trying to, I'm trying to fight like a Dariush, Fazeev, like give me somebody, uh, fuck, I'll, Sar, Sarukian, right? Like give me somebody that is going to be a fun fight that is actually going to help me either A, make money or B, get towards a title fight. Because yeah. like at the end of the day, McGregor would make you money, yep. but like, you might never you might waste the opportunity to get two fights in yep waiting for this one fight so yeah um as far as i'm concerned like mcgregor go go be a brand ambassador go do go do that but like go pour beer down anthony joshua's throat like you were doing like whatever that was really strange um but yeah i want to see michael chandler fight yeah like, me too. as the self-described vessel of violence like i i want to see that guy fight right and and unfortunately we're getting hung up and not being able to to watch a, a very exciting and had been relatively active fighter because conor mcgregor you know runs the ufc the ufc wants mcgregor to fight him it's like that's fine put him in testing put him in testing i mean like just do it i i, I can't believe mcgregor's still on the steroids now there's no so like put him in the pool he's yeah, they're not going to test you for coke, Connor. Like it's okay, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's uh. Or do they? I don't think so. Rec they tested for they tested for weed. I think that's uh around the fight. I don't think that's like the in camp. Like I think they test for recreational drug drugs pre and post fight. I don't think they because that's the commission. Usada is gotcha. not testing for recreational gotcha. drugs. Okay. Yeah. All right. No. Ah, Connor. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so we are going to find out a bunch this 
week. Uh, you know, we're going to see, uh, can the two Silvas uh, at flyweight, are they going to continue the path they've been on? Is Mario Batista going to have a fight? Uh, is IMG going to pass the test that all young welterweight prospects <laughs> have to pass with Neil Magny? Um, you know, who's going to win the car crash between Cheeto and, and Munoz? Uh, are we going to get uh, the ultimate uh, China card, uh, if Wei Li can get past Lemos, can Lemos make the most of this opportunity? And then, you know, is the UFC going to get their plan? Because yeah. I think they want O'Malley to be a champ. For uh, sure. So is that going to happen? We are going to find out a ton. Cannot wait to talk to you guys about it. Hopefully on the F update, we're announcing Batista's uh, opponent. Hopefully it's a fun one. Uh, but as always, appreciate you, brother. Love and respect. Later.